and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I am Chris, and once again, I am here with Steven. Hello. And as always, uh, oh, Patrick's not even here. It's just us. It's just us. Patrick's not here. Yeah, we're, I don't know if we've ever done an episode with just us, Steven, have we? I feel like we have. I feel like we have. I know. I know there have been a couple of episodes with just you and Patrick. Yeah. Um, cabin. One of the cabin fevers. I think. Yeah, which I was yeah. very happy to miss. <sighs> well, you know, sometimes in the course of uh, human events, people get busy. People got other stuff going on. People can't, you know, be on every episode. Not all 130 episodes or whatever we've done. But uh, Patrick will be back uh, probably next time. And and so uh, if you miss him, uh, just stay tuned. If you don't want to listen to an episode that doesn't have Patrick on it, uh, this is your chance to tune out. Yeah, I think he just wasn't up for devoting four hours to Eli Roth. Yeah, he's, he still issue. thinks it's Eli Roth. <laughs> that's, the, that's the issue. Um, but yeah, the, the movie today is Eli. A It's it's an N film. Mm-hmm. Um, and was this ever released theatrically? No. I don't believe so. No, this was never released theatrically. Uh, so it's just a, a Netflix original film. Uh, but before we get into talking about that, as always, we like to do a little bit of a catch up on what else has been going on in our horrific lives uh, as, as regards to horror content anyway. So, uh, Stephen, have you been busy or what? I've been really busy. Yes. And I think I'm, we're going to have to start calling my part of the catch up segment of the show steven's cue at corner because i feel like the last few episodes i come in with a a group of movies that i that i can recommend to certain types of folks but not necessarily everybody sort of the definition of a cue it so um a few nights ago i did double feature of two hulu movies i kind of forget i have hulu sometimes oh yeah i thought let's see what's up i heard about this movie fresh with sebastian stan that came out that's getting a lot of buzz um so I did watch that. I can't say much about it. I will say I, I had quite a fun time with it. I think it's a little too long. The opening title doesn't show up until well over 30 minutes into the movie. Which I love that. Kind of, I kind of love it, too. That's a, that's a power move. It's It, it kind of works, though, because by that point, you're like, oh, I did need everything that led up to this to set up this character and her situation. But now the movie begins and you know it's just going to get. The, the intensity is just going to ratchet up immediately and sustain itself through the end. It does. It jumps the shark a couple of times. But, I mean, without spoiling anything, uh, this is a movie about a, a woman, you know, young woman, probably in her mid to late 30s, really tired of the dating scene, really tired of dealing with people on the apps and, you know, Aren't guys just being rude, telling her how she should dress on a date. It's kind of a kind of a romantic comedy, dark comedy at the beginning. She meets, I would say, an overly charming man in uh, the produce section of a grocery store played by Sebastian Stan. He doesn't seem to have any red flags other than that he's just unflappably funny and positive. Uh, and he invites her on a little little weekend trip and things don't go as planned. That's all I can say about it. Um but I, I had a good time with it. I, I This feels like a movie that in normal times would be a modest mainstream box office success it did feel like it was made for the big screen and just kind of got dumped to hulu because of the way things are right now that sounds good would you recommend it to me specifically you specifically um yeah yeah i think you're gonna have some of the same frustrations i did but i think you'll have fun with it Um, okay sebastian stan uh, of course famous for being frozen in the marvel movies but now he's fresh Sure, sure, why not? Um, or, or insert Rotten Tomatoes joke, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this paired really nicely with a Welsh movie called The Feast, which I even looked this up on Letterboxd afterwards to see, like, am I are the connections I'm making sane? It turns out other people felt the same way about it, uh, but there's very little discussion about this movie online. It just I heard Elric Kane talk about it on the Colors of the Dark podcast, and that's it. This is another one I can't say much about, except that, Chris, I think you'll really like parts of it. It's folk horror, for sure, through and through, but it it's also kind of eco-horror, mm. and it, it really is about... Um, so it's a surreal movie. It's, I'll give you the basic setup. So this kind of wealthy, uh, wealthy family who has been buying up land and doing lots of mining in, in their part of the country 
uh, are about to have this very fancy elaborate dinner. They have a couple of guests coming. We're not exactly sure what they have uh, cooked up for them. Uh, no pun intended. And they hire a local girl to come and basically, you know, set the table, do all the serving, help with the food prep and everything. And you just notice something's wrong. Her hair is like soaking wet when she shows up. And I spent about 20 minutes of the movie wondering, is that just like a, a, a Welsh look? Like, is that a thing? Cause nobody seems to really be disturbed by she this. She came out of a cocoon. I can't say She's where she came person. out of. Can't say where she came out of, but, uh, but it's pretty great. I mean, it, 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 uh, it's, Chris, I think given all the existential dread that we've all been feeling, but I feel like especially you about uh, the state of the climate, um, there's there's a lot to get into here. I don't know if the movie really pulls it off, but it's a fun ride. Um, there's no big twist, but it keeps throwing interesting things at you every five or ten minutes to keep it exciting. So um, that is The Feast on Hulu. I feel like I'm dragging ass, but I got one more um, that I watched on Shudder. Fans of Dragula will appreciate this, maybe. It's called Death Drop Gorgeous, which I think is just one of the best movie titles I've ever heard in my life. And it's a super low-budget, I think shot-on-video horror movie uh, set in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, I believe. A famous kind of gay burg. And there's there's a killer on the loose in the drag scene in the gay scene that's that's killing off men there's also an elderly elder drag queen who's kind of been pushed to the sidelines and is trying to reinvigorate her career in the club that she helped establish and it's very baggy it's an hour and 45 minutes and it should have been 60 minutes i think <laughs> but it's really fun it does feel like a little kind of community theater sort of thing um there are these people all seem to kind of know each other and have an off-screen rapport already and a lot of the it's very funny a lot of the jokes don't quite land though um but it, i guess i would pitch it as if john waters directed cruising the the <laughs> freaking movie because it's almost the same plot um so i would say like if this sounds at all interesting to you check it out but like maybe put it on the background and it'll grab your attention every 15 or 20 minutes you mm. really don't need to see everything that unfolds in an hour and 45 i do uh, i did accidentally destroy part of uh my one and only lego sculpture this week so i need to rebuild it and the last time i built it i put on mediocre uh, TV mm. in the background. So, um, yeah, maybe. fix your Legos, do a puzzle, you know, do the laundry, and you'll have a great time. Maybe pop a gummy too. That helped me. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's my my long winded catch up, the cue at corner. Chris, what have you been up to, horror wise? Well, I have some big news. I finally watched Midsummer. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, um, I enjoyed it a whole lot. I think I liked it much more than Hereditary. Um, it frustrated me in some parts, and I the best way I can describe my attitude about Midsummer and Ari Aster in general is I feel like he's like Eli Roth, except he's ten times better at filmmaking. Okay, <laughs> like like there's still like he's. I, I get when you like are so good at building dread and atmosphere and just chilling things, but then you like jump cut to like people's faces getting exploded. It is, it seems very sophomoric to me and very edgelord to me in an Eli Roth way. And I haven't independently verified this, but I heard that uh, he described Midsummer as a comedy, mm -hmm. uh, which is not a comedy film unless you're Eli Roth. So. Oh, you're saying Eli Roth described it as a comedy? No, no, I'm saying Ari Aster described oh, okay. it as a comedy. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm making the two very similar people in my mind. Okay. Except technically, and and Ari Aster's fantastic at making movies. I was so drawn into this movie right off the bat, and it was, I think, communicating to me exactly the way it was supposed to throughout its significant mm -hmm. runtime. Um, well, Ari Aster is, I, I'm so glad to hear you liked it. I was kind of lukewarm on it, but I, I appreciate it for what it is and for the effect it's had on people. It's just, I don't know. I I don't even remember what my problems were. I should probably check out the director's cut at some point. But Ari Aster, I, I have great respect and admiration for him. But he also has the edgelord tendencies of Eli Roth. He's just much more, he's more clever and restrained, I think. Um, yeah. 
Because, like, I don't know, you look at a movie like Hereditary, and I think, yeah, there's some interesting thematic stuff in there, but I think he's mostly just interested in fucking with you. I don't think he's trying to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is very Eli Roth, but much more artfully done. Yeah, and it's... it's it, I would... I can't wait to see his next movie. It's just, it's, he's frustrating because his movies are so good. Like Eli Roth, I can take or leave, but these movies are all like so close to just being fucking masterpieces. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating to see this guy undercut himself with like film student bullshit and like, Oh, isn't it cool if we fucking blow up his head sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, cool. So Midsommar view it, cute or screw it. I'll view it for sure. Okay. It was great. And that's pretty much all I have to report. That's the big thing. I'm still tr- still digesting my thoughts on that. It was a big movie. I'll have to write a letterboxd review at some point. <laughs> yeah, I should give you. I have a um, a Fangoria with that movie on the cover that's got an interesting article <clears throat> in it. So maybe I can pass that along to you at some point. Yeah. yeah, interesting film. But the interesting film we're here to talk about today is Eli. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of famous Elis. Mm-hmm. Uh, And this is a film from 2019, and it's about a young boy named Eli, the titular Eli. Who'd have thought? And he he's um, this is probably isn't a politically correct term, but this is what we used to call him in the 90s when they were on the news every week. He's a bubble boy. He's totally a bubble boy. He's yeah, a bubble okay boy. <laughs> he uh, he has a condition where that's developed. Um, uh, I don't know how old Eli is. He's like probably 12 or something. Would you say? Mm, you know, I was trying to. There were a couple of scenes in the movie that rubbed me the wrong way, and I didn't know if they were supposed to. I thought he was younger than that, even like nine it or ten. Rub you the wrong way because of his like pseudo love interest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. me too, me too. But yeah, he's he's young. He's he's like I would say you know twelve to fourteen. Okay. And, um, and he has been had this condition for four years apparently. And if he's exposed, he's like my cat. My cat is is severely allergic not to the world, but just to trees and grasses <laughs> so um <laughs> anytime it's not winter she starts itching um and he can't go outside or his skin breaks out and he can't breathe and, and all this shit um so he's you know wearing a hazmat suit when he walks around outside and stuff and mm-hmm. when we meet him he and his parents are on a sort of a cross-country road trip um staying in motels with like uh plastic sheets up to keep the guy in his little bubble and uh they are going to see a specialist, much like I took my cat to a specialist, uh, who can supposedly fix him. Mm-hmm. And of course, this specialist has a high tech hospital for treating uh, these types of allergic kids. And it's in sort of a Madeline house sort of uh, It's like manner. a haunted Madeline house. I mean, it looks like. It looks like Bly Manor or something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a haunted house for sure. Um, and so then they 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 book him in, and the uh, the the medical staff kind of separates Eli from his parents a little bit and starts to treat Eli. And Eli starts seeing ghosts, and he becomes very concerned about what's going on here, what they're actually doing to him, if they're making him better or making him worse, and what happened to the other patients in this facility. Facility and did they get better or did they die and are they haunting us? Um, so that's the that's the broad strokes and you can kind of I mean I don't think it's really a spoiler you can kind of feel out that there's something coming in this oh, yeah. movie <laughs> and uh, so there's a there's a big thing we can't talk about until we get to the spoiler room but um, that kind of is the premise of the movie. And I guess one of my problems with this movie is that it kind of keeps you, it kind of dangles you along without mm-hmm. really revealing what the conflict is. Because once it does, that's like the twist and it's the end of the movie. Yeah, it's hard to talk about and I'm still kind of unpacking it. I just finished it about an hour ago because I felt like the last 20 minutes were the beginning of a really good movie. <laughs> like like it yeah. finally like ramps up the energy and I I I wanted more of that and less of uh are there ghosts? Is he really sick? 
do his parents really love him? Are they hiding something from him? All that stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it really kind of starts off. Well, most of the movie is the movie that I always talk about how I don't like where it's like a guy's in a creepy room and there's a spook and there's a jump scare and he's walking around the place at night. Walking around like, in the dark. Yeah. Walking around in the dark real slow. Going but, places, going in rooms he's not supposed to go into and all that. Yeah. But I thought this movie was head and shoulders above so many of the movies we watch because I was really drawn into the problem with Eli and the relationship with his parents and their whole backstory. I thought the character development was really well done and really interesting right off the bat. Um, I I was into it as well. I thought like the performance is really good. I was really... You know, there, like you said, a dangling is a good term. It always feels like there's something just around the corner, you know, some crucial bit of knowledge that will cast a new light on the proceedings. And uh, I had a good time kind of feeling out these characters and their dynamics. Um, much more so than I, I wish I could think of a film to compare it to, but I feel like we've seen a couple that have this kind of vibe in our Netflix journey that where I just didn't care about the people so there was nothing mm-hmm. for me to grab onto. We kind of I guess the most obvious comparison for me would be like nails where there's the woman in the hospital bed recovering from the car accident and there's Oh a, yeah, she gets hit while listening a, to Snow Patrol or whatever. There's a ghost in the closet or something. Yeah. And they're like what's going on here in this hospital? Um but early on we see so he's got his, his mother and his father and how would you describe the father? Because he's kind of like a stock character. <laughs> um, he's so actually, I thought he was a. I thought it was going to be revealed that he was a stepfather at some point. Because mm. he, I, I don't know why. I don't know why that is. But there's something. There is something off about him. He's pretty gruff. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of his humor that he shares with Eli is like you know borderline inappropriate. I mm-hmm. think, and he sort of encourages uh, swearing and in that sort of thing. He seems a little remote, you know, a little icy, maybe. Yeah. To he's, me, he's like, I didn't fully trust him from the beginning. I thought, no. well, clearly he's a stressed out dad and he's just spent, you know, the last of his money um, to pay for the hotel room. So, you know, he's clearly not not having a great time. But I was a little perplexed by him going in. Mm-hmm. There, he's gruff. He's like sort of strict, but he's he's. I think he's a good and loving father. You can tell that they have a good relationship. Yeah. Um, and then the mother is is more nurturing, uh, more sensitive, uh, and and kind of more troubled by the whole situation in a more uh, palpable way. Mm-hmm. And. I I really liked the character dynamics and I really liked how they hint at things and kind of let you put things together. Like you said, they've spent all their money. We see the husband uh, paying for his hotel room, basically with like, he has to barter his watch to pay his, his bill. And you, you, it was really interesting to me early on to kind of see these people who seem like they're middle class or upper middle class or used to be, but they've been uh, annihilated by medical debt to try to treat mm. this kid. And now they're, they, they've, they've cashed in all their chips for this one long shot at this treatment out in the haunted medical facility. Uh, that's just bad vibes. Uh, and I don't know. I like that. I was I was, re- I was really drawn into the, the to the human dynamic and and all the scenes with the parents and Eli. I thought were great. The scenes where Eli's just kind of oh god, I'm in the bathroom and there's there's frost on the on the mirror and I'm gonna wipe it off and there's gonna be a ghost there. Didn't work for me. <laughs> there's a lot of it, it worked better for me than I expected for a movie about a sick kid. But I thought the kid was like played pretty pretty well, pretty believably. Yeah, he was really sympathetic to me, and like he's, I don't know. I was just it would suck to be in his bubble boy situation, and it's kind of cool when they get to the house and he's able to like take off his hazmat suit and he doesn't trust it, and you kind of see how he's like just not used to being outside yeah. of the the saran wrap, and uh, it's, it's it's it was it was cute. It worked. Um, well, and when he does go out, we see what happens, you know, early on. He gets harassed by cartoonish trailer park villains. <laughs> I love that, actually. That <laughs> Throwing was hilarious. fucking firecrackers at him and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Calling him it's a, a hard space knock man. Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, the jump scares though did not work for me. And that was something that was crazy. That was something that I thought was really um, surprising because there are a lot of jump scares in this movie and jump scares, whether they're good or bad, whatever, like, you know, they can usually provoke a response, you know, like you, like you've said, you know, you scream at someone, you're going to give them the, the jolt a little bit. I did my, I had ice in my veins watching (laughs) this movie, like things, the jump scares were happening. And I was like, Oh, I had no, my heart rate did not quicken. The jump scares just completely fell flat. I had a pretty similar reaction to most of them. Um, They felt very sort of mechanically inserted into the movie to keep it going, to to remind, keep you, keep reminding you that this is in fact a horror movie and something spooky is going to happen. Just wait, just you wait. Yes. And that's, it kind of goes back to this whole problem where they buried the premise on, you know, page 90 of their (laughs) script because it's a horror movie and there's not really anything there, but you kind of feel obligated to have a spook every so many, you know, minutes. And honestly, at the end, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. The, the, the ghosts don't have a lot to do with what's actually going on here. Um, That's a really good point. They have pretty much nothing to do with it. No, this, this isn't like, um, this isn't like, I already forgot the name of the male, malevolent. This isn't like malevolent where the, the ghosts are the key to the whole thing. And this is about doing right by the ghosts. Um, the no, ghosts, the ghosts are, are really just a misdirect. The ghosts are a misdirect. They're there to get us to have a spook every few minutes they're there to build Eli's distrust in the place. Mm-hmm. And then they're there to like, give him a couple clues so that he can find the truth. I guess. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is, you mentioned before we started recording that this was a blacklist script for people who don't know. This is a list of like, I don't know, maybe 20 scripts every year that people in the film industry select as the best unproduced scripts of the year. Um, and rarely do they ever get made, uh, usually because the their concepts are as bananas batshit crazy as this. I mean, we're combining like mystery autoimmune disorder slash environmental illness with we got a little bit of like a midnight special thing, like family, family on a road trip, you know, trying to save their kid. We got medical drama going on in a haunted hospital. Right. Yes. And then, I mean, I can't even speak to what comes after what twists this movie throws <laughs> at us after that. It's just so much. Cra- it felt, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm spinning my wheels here trying to think of how to describe this, but it did have a little bit of, James Wan energy to me, a little, little bit of malignant energy in the sense of it just being a potpourri of seemingly disparate, dissonant horror elements. I can see that. Certainly not as well constructed or effective as anything James Wan's done. But I would never say that. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff. You know, anytime you're dealing with like, oh, it's an old haunted house, but it's also a sterile environment. So you, the only way in or out is through this like airlock that looks like it's from one of the Resident Evil movies. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's all fun stuff. Also in the mix to give some clues to Eli is uh, Sadie Sink, who we know now well know uh, as uh, the the girl, the redheaded girl from Fear Street. 1978 oh that's um, why she looked familiar i didn't bother yeah. to look her up yeah okay. yeah she's fear straight 1978 she's also been in stranger things but i haven't watched stranger things so i wouldn't know uh but i guess her bread and butter is netflix exclusive horror shit now because she's uh she shows up as a girl who throws rocks at, at eli's window which she keeps breaking the glass, which that me- stressed me out. <laughs> <laughs> no bueno. She knows that the people inside are bubble boys, but she's still like cracking the glass. Um, she's a total fucking to Eli too. Oh like, yeah, I hated her. I mean, we don't use that word, but I hated her. <laughs> I I use it very sparingly, but she's just awful to this little boy who I mean. I, I don't know. They seem to be possibly as many as eight to ten years apart in age. And the first one of the first things she says to him is how cute she thinks he is. Yeah. And then um, and then she's ugh. like, what's your name? He's like Eli. And she's like, that's a fucking stupid name. I'm not going to call you that. Well, and he loves <laughs> and he loves magic tricks. So he and like nobody else seems to be amused and nobody else in the movie seems to be amused by his one hobby, which is a little sad. But um, 
Yeah, he pulls out a deck of cards. Magic tricks in movies. I I do too. Um, Like the boy in Us. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's a little like that. Not um, well. So like while he's talking with what's her name, uh, he pulls he pulls out a a deck of cards, and she just immediately shuts him down. She's like, "Oh yeah, really? You're gonna guess my card?" And he's like, "Oh no, it's not like that." And like kind of kind of cowers away mm-hmm. she's awful to him i don't really understand what the attraction him. is there i really disliked her yeah but eli can't help himself from from going back to the to the window so mm-hmm. to talk to her um and some of this stuff you know recontextualized by the end of the movie you're like yeah. okay that's cool that's interesting i get the subtext of that scene but it's something you can only look back on in the moment you're like who is this lady she's terrible Eli demands multiple viewings, Chris. I think that's what I'm learning <laughs> it here. Does. It does demand multiple. You know what? I got nothing better to do. Maybe when I'm building the Legos, I'll watch Eli again. Pick up on all the all the clues. <laughs> um, which I thought I was on its level because Me too. there's subtext. And I thought the subtext reads one way and then it reads another way. And it's really hard to talk about that. Our listeners are probably completely lost. I, you know, I was just about to say something that seems very basic, you know, uh, in uh, to understand what this movie is. If you're only hearing us talk about it, you haven't seen it. But then I thought, man, that might just spoil the whole thing, even as careful as I was going to try and be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, we got some medical scenes. We have Lily Taylor playing. I uh, oh, love the- her sort of the head nurse and she's got a very small medical staff. This place at no point feels like a hospital. Um, it, it feels like a haunted bed and breakfast with like three nurses <laughs> doing highly advanced surgeries with no support staff, no in-room care. It, 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 I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but no, it is. It is weird. It did catch me. Uh, it did start to gnaw at me as the movie went on. I'm like, wait, is there even like a a chef or something? Like, who's cooking for there's everyone? No room service. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's no nothing. Um, there's no call button on the bed. <laughs> but they so they take Eli down into like the med- the, the so called medical wing. Yeah. Um, and do operations to him. And I guess there's a series of three operations that they need to do to cure his disorder. And I kind of like that stuff because you see him like he's, he's very timid. Eli's very timid despite his, uh, his, his mother repeatedly being like, Oh, Eli, be brave. You're so brave or whatever. Um, he's very, make a wish, blow out the candles. I like that. I really like that. Actually. I did too. And actually like I filed that away. I'm like, you know what? Next time I'm stressed out, I'm going to think about the birthday cake coming out of the oven. It's like a great mindfulness technique that she has taught him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's to help him with his like panic when he's exposed to the elements and stuff. And, and you could, it really reads, honestly like this is something that like someone with a, a disabled kid or something yeah. would, would come up with to to help him get through his life um anyway in the medical wing though i really like the the turn where like as soon as he's separated from his parents in the medical wing like everyone's just abusing him they're like there's no there's no bedside manner they're like get on the scale get get off. we're taking your picture get off the scale get on the bed put your head in this vice and they're just fucking jabbing needles into him with no warning or anything. It kind of reminded me of um, The Exorcist when Reagan's having all those tests done and she's like in the machine and it's fucking shaking her and her yeah. eyes are rolling back in her head. Like, yeah, that stuff is upsetting. I mean, if you've ever been in a hospital or had a loved one who has gone through any kind of serious procedure, it's really like scary to think that like in the wrong hands, they could be treated like this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I there's the part where Lily, uh, Lily Taylor's in a chair and she stands up, and then like the the chrome back of the chair rolls around. I'm like, oh, we're gonna see something fucked up in the reflection on that chair, aren't we? And then we do. There's like a, I don't even know what it is, a monster. <laughs> I I couldn't tell you in the reflection of the chair, but you can't really make it out. Um, it was actually oh. the cameraman. All good stuff. So, I mean, what we're led to believe, I think, is that there is some sort of like Satanism going on in this in this hospital um, that that these doctors are like maybe involved in, in demonic behavior, child sacrifice, that kind of thing. At least that was what I 
anticipated um in no small part due to the fact that like so many of the window and door fixtures uh-huh. have like crosses on them like, hanging like upside, upside down, down. Yeah. yeah uh seemed a little on the nose um I love that it's like because <laughs> this place is so high tech, it might as well be like, you know, the Enterprise or something. Yeah. And I just I, I don't know. I, I love that they would go. They would they would go out of their way to have whoever built this thing actually like etch those upside down cross designs into the door as if like that wouldn't tip anybody off as to what's going on. there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, what? it might not be a secret what's going on there by the end of the movie, you know. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to talk about that for sure. (laughs) You might have raised a very good point. I don't know what else there is to talk about. I mean, it feels awfully early to to be reviewing it, but what else is there to say? Um, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. And that's not just because there's like a big reveal in this. It's that, you know, not a ton really happens for the first hour and 15 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we've literally covered everything that we can. Mm-hmm. Chris, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Very interesting question. I've been uh-huh. thinking a lot about this because I could make an equally convincing argument for a screw it, a cue it, or a view it. <laughs> wow. Um, well, there roll was them a, bones. There's a lot of stuff I liked. So I guess by definition, it's it's got to be a cue it then. Um, there was a lot of stuff I liked. I didn't really get bored, even though some of the walking around at night seeing ghost stuff was a little slow. I was very drawn into Eli and his parents and their predicament, and I wanted to know what was going on in the hospital, and I thought that all the character stuff was very well done. And, and I'm kind of like you, uh, Stephen. I don't like you know sick kids in movies necessarily but i was very sympathetic to eli i was uh, engaged in his plight i cared a lot about what was going on um and it did a lot of things right for me and then the ending i thought was entertaining um and interesting and kind of clever but you know on the on the flip side <laughs> It's just not very good. It's not very compelling. It is slow. And like we said, it kind of saves all its best ideas for the end of the movie. And you're like, eh, kind of a long way to go for that. So mm-hmm. you can certainly do worse. You can certainly do better. Uh, I would certainly not tell you not to watch this movie, but I would not be able to recommend it to anybody. So that is a cue it. How about you? I'm going to give it a cue it too. Um, there was enough in this that I liked, was intrigued by, thought was done well, that I, you know, I found it pretty reasonably entertaining. I, um, I did really enjoy the last 15 to 20 minutes of it. I guess this is why it's acute. On one hand, it made the journey worthwhile, but on another hand, it left me with even more questions and confusion than I had experienced throughout, uh, the rest of the movie up until that point. Um, but if you, if you like a big spooky haunted mansion, um, Who creepy goings on in the dark and kind of a spooky, you know, I love a good spooky, like medical theater, you know, oh, um, yeah. operation room. And this felt very Cronenberg, like dead ringers or something, you know, that if, if that's your bag, that's in there too. Um, yeah. And, and good performances. I thought the kid was great. I don't know if I've seen him in anything or not, but, um, he is given a tall order and I think he's very much up to the task in carrying this whole thing. Um, yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, we're going to go to the spoiler room and, and hopefully, uh, reveal what we've been just struggling to avoid talking about, uh, the spoiler the wing, half the spoiler medical. We're, we're going to go to the spoiler. We wing. got the secret code to the high tech steel door and and we're gonna go in there and spoil the, everything the the secret code which happens to look like my name spelled upside down um, <laughs> and uh yeah so we're gonna go to the spoiler room and spell everything but hey first you know hey if you are uh if you just can't get enough of our show Find us online. We're on social media at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N cast. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook too. And uh that that we're on Facebook also. There's there's not a Facebook too that you've been missing out on. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> That'll be coming to the metaverse, maybe. But um 
You can go to everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. You can go to our merch shop that we have on our website and buy a t-shirt that says Every Horror Movie on Netflix, a good conversation piece. Every Horror Movie on Netflix hazmat suit for your child if they have trouble <sighs> breathing. I don't know if we have air. those yet. I don't know if we have those yet. Uh, yeah, maybe they're still at the at the port, uh, but yeah, they should be in stock soon. Yeah, Pre-orders the, are up. The, there's a there's a supply chain issue with the hazmat suits. We were trying to get some Eli branded hazmat suits, but it won't happen. But anyway, um, the point is, find us online, and we love to hear from you too. So if you watched Eli and you loved it, or you hated it, or you guessed the twist, uh, let us know what you thought. It's a two way street on this show. <laughs> All right. We're going to go down the spoiler wing now and uh, spoil everything. So go watch the movie or stick around and listen to us tell you what happens in the movie. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome to the spoiler wing of the Amon State Medical Hospital. And we're going to get ready to spoil everything about Eli. Oh, I'm already, I'm flipping through files. I think I cracked this case. Yeah. Well, I cracked it too, because I watched the movie and (laughs) here's the essential spoiler that we've been holding back. Eli actually isn't sick, which doesn't make a whole lot. It's kind of a movie that lies to you. Because <laughs> yeah, because this is not like he's not sick, but it's also like what he's experiencing cannot possibly be uh, psychosomatic because right. he's actually like his flesh is like burning. <laughs> right. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But basically, he's not allergic to the outside world. His condition. Oh my! I don't even know how to explain this twist. <laughs> I I kind of I was hoping you'd go there. <laughs> All right. So, long story short. Eli is the son of the devil. Yep. <laughs> it sounds so fucking funny when you put it that way, but that's it. That's it. It's and, and they actually they they make it so it makes sense. They make it so it makes sense. But that's the spoiler. Eli is actually the son of the devil and he's in this hospital undergoing basically exorcism procedures sort mm-hmm. of they're 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 like just fucking with them the i don't even know if any of these people are doctors or if they're just nuns but they are you know splashing holy water on him putting holy water in his spinal cord like doing all this stuff to try <laughs> to get the devil out um the reason that he's the devil's son is because i need to hear this because i don't think i fully understood his parents wanted a baby like i guess they were unable to conceive and the mother wanted a son so badly uh i guess she was approached by the devil and made a deal with the devil that she would have a beautiful baby boy and the devil said don't worry he won't be like me you can raise him as your own son but what does the devil do he lies And so they, as, as he, as he reached, you know, the age of eight or nine or whatever, I guess somehow they decided that he was actually devilish. It's very vague about how that played out and sort of how we got from there to here. Um, Yeah. I could have used maybe even a flashback to see him beginning to behave devilishly to the point where they were like, oh fuck, we've got to do something. You're right. We need to tell him he's a bubble boy. (laughs) How does that work? How do they? How much gaslighting would that entail to like fully convince him that he is actually that ill? I I can't even. I can't even fathom it. They take a humidifier and they put holy water in it, and he goes outside of his bedroom and he starts to burn. And they're like, "Oh, you're a bubble boy." I don't know. See, that's the part that doesn't make any sense. Well, there's something, there's a mention of Tannis Root in this as well, which kind of made me giggle a little bit, but I can't remember how they implemented that. I don't remember that. But that's, of course, the the famous fictitious Root from Rosemary's Baby. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. It's um, weird, man. And and so the parents, the parents are, are seemingly devout Christians. And there is some tension between the mother and the father. And it reads like she's just been cheating on him. 
because there's a part oh. where yeah because there's a part early on where they talk about um the mother is like this is gonna work you just need to have faith and the husband is like I've always been the faithful one. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember that line. Yeah. I clocked it the same way you did. And then yeah. it's never addressed again, but there is kind of a simmering tension between them. Right. And then we found out that he actually, the the husband, the father, knows that everyone else, seemingly everyone else who's ever had this procedure done has died horrifically, but did not tell the mother <laughs> or Eli, in fact, lied to both of them openly about this. Right. I, I thought of the, the, the Padme meme uh, <laughs> during that scene. <laughs> it's like all, That's the kids who've, all the kids who've gone here have recovered, right? <laughs> um, but no, that, 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 little, that little character detail, I, I liked it a lot because it was just like a really subtle note that like told me at the time, like, OK, like there's infidelity in this marriage. This marriage is on very shaky ground they're probably only together because they have to take care of eli Mm. and they kind of hate each other um not necessarily the case sort of the case i mean i'm sure the husband is a little resentful that his wife made a deal with the devil and got knocked up by the devil Mm -hmm. Um, especially because he's a god-fearing man but anyway so that's what they're here to do they are here to Get the devil out of Eli, and they have had lots of other half-devil sons and daughters through this facility who have all died during the exorcism process. And and they now haunt the hospital. I guess they haunt the hospital now. Or at least they haunt Eli. I don't know. It's like never really confirmed if... I don't. I, nobody else seems to be able to see them, or are they lying about that too? I don't know. It's implied that at least Lily Taylor, the head nun nurse, knows about, you know, well, she's been killing the kids. So, of course, she knows. But does she know that they have returned to haunt Eli? I don't know. I'm getting this confused with Malevolent now. (laughs) (laughs) I, boy, if I could remember Malevolent, I might have that problem, but... Basically, what happens is Eli real Eli gets the key to the, the you know he he goes into the the medical wing and he finds the files, and in almost a comical fashion. Oh they my have, god! <laughs> they First have, treatment, second treatment, right. third treatment. He just he flips through all of them and says this aloud as he looks at yeah. the pictures of how horrifically these kids wind up after each of these three holy water spinal cord treatments. Right. And of course, they all die at the end, and they have like yeah. you know like pools of blood on their gowns in the third picture where they're dead, which mm-hmm. I later decided was because the third process involves a ceremonial dagger that's hidden inside a crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like so in the climax, of course, the the Lily Taylor's like trying to stab Eli with the ceremonial dagger, but Eli basically goes goes rogue and he's like all right they're gonna kill me i gotta get out of here uh so he tries to enlist the help of uh sadie sink the the girl from outside the window Um, girl there's not that much that the girl outside the window can can do for him so he tries to get the parents to help the mother i think is sympathetic to him and wants to help the Uh father inexplicably uh at least seems to take the nurse's side and tries to help the nurse's get Eli there's a whole bunch of shit that is confusing there's a chase there's a reveal of how all the nurses are actually nuns there's a underground sanctum with a pit full of corpses Mm -hmm. and a crucifix that has a dagger inside of it like I said there's some running around between these locations eventually they overwhelm Eli Eventually, they take Eli to the medical wing and strap him down. And they're like, all right, it's time to to do the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Eli uh, has a uh, has a let it go moment and lets his Satan power out and kills everybody except the parents. Well, and we got to talk the, about the, the kill. I love this scene. He takes the he you know basically has uh, psychokinesis demon powers he he um makes the nuns uh levitate then turns them upside down into crucifix positions as they spin around the room during this confrontation he lights them on fire with his mind i thought that was great that was cool i I was wondering though like is it 
what's Eli? Is Eli doing that intentionally? Is how aware is Eli that he's a devil? Or is it just like Eli's mad and he so it like kind of like Carrie, like his his just rage mm. sort of like comes out and manifests this way. And because he's the son of the devil, these things are just happening without his direct uh uh orchestration. Well, okay. I have <laughs> I I've been turning this over in my mind and I don't have a definitive answer. The movie doesn't have a definitive answer. But I think it is similar to Carrie in that this is at least the first yeah, I mean, it has to be the first time that he's actually realized he has these powers and he's wielding them. And I think all of this rage that he's built up inside of him basically being gaslit left, right and center in this hospital all along and in his life before that, I think I think he is doing that semi-consciously, but he's not in control of his power yet. He's only just he's figuring out what the limits of it are. And maybe he goes a little too over the top. I just I mean know. specifically arranging them like upside down crosses and setting them on fire and having them spin around the room. Oh, um, it seems yeah, like something I, Eli won't have come up with on his own. Yeah, that's probably the demon. It blood seems like he, he just was angry enough to cast the spell and the spell just kind of has that built into it. Oh, OK. Yeah, I'll buy I that. Know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Great scene. Very kind of operatic, ex- exciting. I oh, didn't yeah. expect like that cool of a or that big of a set piece in a little yeah. low budget movie like this. And it looked great Me either. Yeah. And it's fun and to see Eli, you know, in full devil mode, red yeah, eyes he, and everything, red eyes and everything. Uh, he, I think he kills his dad. How's his dad die? His dad dies. He kills the dad. I think, um, he kills the head nurse by making her stab herself with yes. the ceremonial dagger. Yes. I don't know. Dad dies. It doesn't matter. He was a dick. I was glad to see him gone. Mom lives. Mom lives. They burn down the Madeline house and they go out to the SUV in the in the yard and Sadie Sink is there and there's some really ham-fisted dialogue. (laughs) 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 It's really quite cringe, but she reveals in, in very unsubtle ways that like, Oh yeah, I'm the I'm the half daughter of Satan too, and mm-hmm. and we're a family. And you know, uh, yeah, I would have told you, but you know, Dad says we all have to find our own path. Um, so in fact, she has been sort of openly taunting him and 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 being a, a bit of a dick this entire yeah. movie, knowing yeah. full well that he may or may not make it out of there, and that and she's the- just not going to do anything about it. And and that kind of recontextualizes the stuff like when he says, oh, my name's Eli. And she's like, well, that's a stupid name. I'm not going to call you that. Now, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, her doing a magic trick in which she conjures fire from her hand is recontextualized a bit. Yeah. Eli assumes that she has like a hidden match, but she probably doesn't. And and I didn't think she did in the first place. But yeah, definitely looking back, it's clear that she doesn't. I think her maybe even her throwing rocks at the window and cracking the glass. She's like, he's not fucking sick. Who cares? She um, sh- yeah, exactly. Exactly. She should have had birds cracking the glass. though. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, that, I guess I guess that wouldn't have been as cute. <laughs> like we would have known she was up to no good. Um, and so now I guess they they still have the mom in tow who is like I guess now just doomed to be subservient to the children of Satan because she <laughs> loves Eli so much at least until Eli part two uh, but that's that's basically it they get in the car they drive off yeah they're gonna they're, go meet their maker right they're gonna go yeah. see dad daddy I guess so um so yeah, interesting. That's cool. I yeah, how do we it, feel about all this? I, how do we feel about it? I'm, I still don't quite know, but um, I think I would rather have seen the movie that comes after all of this happens. I don't want a sequel. I'm not saying that, but I think maybe more interesting movie is the the road picture that would naturally follow this. I think the problem for me is that the twist is seems so arbitrary like there's it's not the kind of twist that like a what's the rule of thumb about twists the rule of thumb is if you can rewatch the movie and notice all the things that 
should have made you understand that mm-hmm. he was the son of the devil, then it's a kind of an earned twist. I'll have to watch this again. I might watch this again, but I don't think there's enough uh, information for you to possibly get. So when, when you find out like, like, like it was when I said the spoiler here in the spoiler wing, um, when you say, Oh, Eli's actually the son of the devil. It sounds fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it, you don't say, Oh, that makes sense. Well, <laughs> you know? Because it doesn't mean anything in the end. It just means that there that there was a twist in this movie that's it it's yeah. it's purely uh it's just serviceable it, it doesn't speak to any any larger themes about anything that we've encountered so far and and if i can can insufferably attempt to rewrite the movie what i might have done is so so something that, that i thought was interesting i was wondering like cuz i was getting obviously there's religious vibes in this place yeah and which kind of, I guess it's supposed to be a twist that like, oh, like when they find the picture that find when they find out that the nurses are actually nuns, it's supposed to be a big reveal. But like, I kind of figured that out in it just kind of in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah same. I was like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. OK, let's move on. Which I don't know why. I'm not sure if they really addressed it. It's a religious hospital, but you see the crosses on the door and things like that. And there does seem to be some sort of, like I said, I expected Satanism. Maybe I was wondering if this movie was like, uh, written by someone who has like a grudge against like Catholic hospitals or something. Um, and I thought that there was maybe a motif about, uh, sort of religious providing of healthcare and, and, uh, maybe if you want to go there, vaccine stuff, I thought about vaccines a little bit. There was, um, oh, there's a scene where um, after the first treatment, Eli is feeling worse and his dad is arguing with him saying, like, that means it's working. Right. That means, yeah. like, the good cells are fighting off the bad cells. And I'm like, God, I wish wish that there's so many people that I wish could be convinced of this so much more easily. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, like, we're, we're shown this, like, vaguely religious setting in which this really kind of hokey and abusive medical treatment is going on. And mm-hmm. that has some parallels to real life. And I think maybe if that were more front and center in that, like, in the text of the movie, there's a conflict between the religiosity of the hospital and the treatment of Eli. Then may it might pay off better when you're like, oh, he's actually the son of the devil. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Let us know. Let us know from the very beginning that this is a religious hospital that like parents are on board for this experimental treatment. They've done their research blah 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 but they don't like the way it's being administered and some of the rules they have to follow in the house because it's run by nuns like mm-hmm. i think that would have worked better as far as the making the twist feel like more of a payoff for mm-hmm. me at least i guess the payoff is that we are supposed to assume that they're satanists even though they never really tell us that because it's like oh you thought they were satanists but actually they're super christian trying to stop satan mm. I don't know. I don't I, fucking I, I'm, know. I'm, I'm, I'm grasping. I'm flailing here. I'm not being very coherent. I'm just, it just didn't feel like a, a twist that made sense. And it just raises more questions than it answers about everything else. Like, why does his skin boil when he gets a hole in his hazmat suit? Outside. God, I mean, good question that I should have an answer for you know, at the drop of a hat because it should have been in the movie. Why does, I guess his level of rage hadn't boiled over at that point, but why is he able to set nurses on fire when he realizes that they're trying to kill him, but he can't do anything but give the middle finger to the guys we see at the beginning of the movie who bully Uh... him and throw firecrackers at him and make him rip his hazmat suit and almost kill him interesting that's a good point too i would say what if he he, i guess if he gave the kid the guys the middle finger at the beginning of the movie and one of them just burst in the flames it would kind of (laughs) give away the give away the movie (laughs) or like or like their trailer explodes and it's like was it eli or was it the firecrackers that they're just throwing out like candy um yeah that's that's an interesting point because really like i'm not sure what that scene exists for other than to show us what can happen if if he mm-hmm. exper- if he experiences the air, so yeah, it it would have been cool if 
if he'd done a little something, you know, maybe not something super obvious, but but where like if you were watching again, you could look back and say, okay, yeah, he was turning a bit devilish there. They could have just they could have just been like a fireworks accident, like someone like blows off his fingers with a bottle rocket or something as the car is driving away, and you think it's just a comedy thing because they're all crazy rednecks, but mm-hmm. actually it was Eli. <laughs> it was Eli making somebody like place a firm grip on the firecracker and not be able to release it i don't know these are all bad ideas but <laughs> i know <laughs> they're better than, they're better than what we got in this movie that we did give a cue it to yeah i mean and i liked it i i liked it i just i don't know like you said it seems like it seems like what happens after this is more interesting but also this movie lives and dies so much on that twist and i'm sure that the reason this script got produced is because it had a sick twist in it Absolutely. But the twist just, I, what I'm trying to say is I don't feel like the twist justifies the length of time we spend with Eli, like looking at ghosts in his bathroom mirror. I would agree with that. You know, it doesn't feel like a solution to a puzzle. It's so out of left field. Well, and what it comes <laughs> down to for me with any movie that has the, you know, spawn of a Satan twist, like, what does that really mean? What does it mean for him? What does it mean for his mom? What does it mean for the other girl? What does it mean for the world at large? I have no idea. All I know is I didn't know he was the devil's son, and now he is, and the movie's over. Right? There are no broader implications. <laughs> right. In fact, their lives are going to be very similar to what they were like before because they're getting back on the road with no money to go on another cross-country trip. They'll get money this time. You think so? Well, he's the devil. He's got devil powers yeah. now. They're gonna they're gonna stop in Vegas, and he's gonna make sure it comes up red <laughs> on, the, on the roulette wheel. <laughs> I'd watch that. Better yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's not hard for the devil to get money, but yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, I don't want to beat up on the movie too. I don't much. either. It's just there's something. There's something there. There's something there that just doesn't work. Uh, God bless Devil Eli. You know what movie did a good job with this twist? The Vatican Tapes. Oh, bless you for saying that. Yeah, great movie. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, because at the end, we're like, oh, this 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 woman is the Antichrist. And again, it kind of teases it and makes you want to see the next movie more than the movie you just watched. But it's like you really understand the implications of this woman being the Antichrist. You see her like on Oprah in the epilogue, like converting the masses to Satanism. And this it's like, all right, so what what's this boy gonna do that Sadie Sink couldn't do? What he's gonna go back he's gonna go throw some racks at a window? Is that what we should be afraid of? <laughs> oh, one last thing I wanna say about this movie, just a stray observation. So it to there's only one way in and out of this mansion slash hospital. There's there's like yes. a de- decontamination chamber and this like very high tech hermetically sealing door thing. Um, my immediate thought was, there's no fire exit. I thought like, oh, this house is going to start to burn down and they're they're going to have a hard time getting out, and that's going to be like a plot mm. point. Didn't happen. A little sad about that. That would have been funny. That would have been funny. But I at least did manage to predict that the house would burn down from that. <laughs> Of course, of course, the house burns down. I was hoping that someone would get stuck in the in the airlock and it would suck too hard and it would blow them all up. <laughs> the the little decontamination vacuum would would get turned on too high and they'd say, "Shut it off! Shut it off!" Yeah, they'd be like uh, um, Schwarzenegger on Mars in Total yes. Recall, <laughs> eyes bugging yes. out. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, what the right. fuck are we watching next week? What are we watching next week? Not in two weeks, I should I say. I always say next week, and I need to break that habit. Yeah, we, we're not, we, we haven't been weekly in like four years. I know. I mean, I, used, I'm not under the weekly. impression that we're weekly. It's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a habit. Well, you, got, you guys, there's a special project happening, right? Yeah, so um, we're we're kind of doing a, a little. We little, made a hostage little exchange. wife swapping here. <laughs> Uh, with the our friends, the It Slays podcast in Nova Scotia for March, they uh, they did a well like a sports bracket thing, right? 
um, uh, online, and they're going to watch the Mike Flanagan movie Hush. So we thought it would be a great idea if we did as well and we switched our crews up a little bit. So Colton from It Slays is going to be coming over to talk with you and Patrick about Hush, and I'm going to go talk with Rowan and Mike on the It Slays podcast about the very same movie, and we'll find out who has the better episode. This is like when they, in X-Files season two, they made the exchange Scully for Mulder's sister on the bridge with the alien bounty mm. hunter. That sounds dope. I don't remember that one. Okay. Well, that'll be in two weeks. So we will see you then. Uh, as always, like I said, feel free to find us online. In the meantime, if you miss us, we'll miss you too. And until then, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. And I'm Steven. See you later.